0: Hi, my name is Maurice Bernard and this is State of Mind. You may know me from my role on General Hospital, but what you might not know is that I've been a proud mental health advocate for over 30 years. State of Mind is a show where I speak about my mental health, my life with bipolar, anxiety, depression, and have guests who share about their life and their mental health. I hope that by listening, you can be inspired, learn about mental illness, and ways to have a healthy state of mind. Today on State of Mind, we have uh, somebody who, when I think about this person, there was a word that, that came to mind and that's triumph. And that's him. Um, You'll you'll understand why when when we're done, or maybe early on. Um, We have a lot in common. Uh, His mother's from San Salvador, right? Yeah. Uh, He's an actor. He did All My Children. He has a New York Times bestseller and he won dancing with stars now i didn't win <laughs> i didn't win dancing with stars but i did win a dance contest <laughs> i'm not joking in my high school okay? same thing. it's the best <laughs> a dance contest and i won and... <laughs> all right uh jl martinez how you doing brother i'm good brother
1: man thank you so much for having me on uh your this the state of mind and I've watched a few of your episodes, obviously a fan of you, Maurice Thank as a you. person, um, but then became even more of a fan of your template, your model, the conversations you're having about your own journey and tapping into other people's journey, man. So it's an honor to be here and just kind of just, just talk, man.
0: Yeah. It, you know, I don't, this is not state of mind. It's not an interview. It, it's actually a state of mind. It really is. It's a conversation. So, uh, what I first want to know is, where are you from? That's pretty easy.
1: Not so much. Oh. The reason I say that is because interesting when, when you when when people ask me that question, where are you from? Does it mean where I was born? Does it mean where I yeah. feel like home was? Means whatever you want it to mean. So I was born in Louisiana. Oh. Lived there for the first nine years of my life, and then my mom picked us up. Well, when I say us, I mean her and I, because that's all it was. My dad wasn't around. My dad left when I was nine months old. My mother had two kids in Central America, but when she came here, she left them behind. And then she ended up meeting my father, had me, my father bails. So my mother is just her and I. So for the first nine years of my life, I saw my mother get into relationships where she was trying to find love, trying to find a partner, trying to find a role model for me.
0: And unfortunately, she fell into some really bad relationships. Well, let me ask you something, if, because I don't know this, mm-hmm. because I've always had a father who just passed away. But um, When you're a boy and you don't have a father, is it that difficult since you don't know what it's like to have a father? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was tough for me.
1: In what way? You know, the biggest way that it was hard for me is you don't know what you don't know. And but the only thing that I can see is I can see my peers, I can see friends, I can see people I play football. Oh, 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 oh! They had yes figure that they had somebody to go to the game and yes, you know that they would take them to practice, that they would be at the park playing with them, that they would be in the driveway playing basketball with them, that they would do things together and I didn't have that. I just had my mother. And my mother tried to do some things with me. My mother would go to the track with me and she, you know, when I was trying to like be faster, <laughs> she would like take out her watch and try to clock me or whatever, but I always felt this void. I always felt this this lack of. And I just and it was more because I kept seeing everybody around me that had a male figure in their life. And I think that I was just yearning for that. I mean, I didn't understand why I yeah, was yearning yeah. for that. And unfortunately, like, my mom dated this one man that, you know, you know was abusive and uh, not only verbally but physically. Oh. And I could tell you that being four or five years old, I remember that I would, you know, it would be a Friday night, Saturday night, and all of a sudden I can hear commotion and yelling and everything, and he'd start hitting her. No. Yeah. And, and my job was to grab the phone, the landline run into the closet, dial 911, and give the address and tell them what was happening and just hang up and wait. Really? And I'd wait in the closet, man, until the police showed up. They'd arrest him. They'd take him away. And then he'd get out of jail, you know, a week later, not even sometimes, he'd be back at the house. And she she was... Yeah. Ev- she was ev- because my mother was also broken. Listen, I, you know, I, I experienced a lot in my childhood. Not only that, but my mother lost a... One of those daughters that she left behind um, was born with a disability. And so she passed away when I was three years old. Yeah. My mother couldn't go back to El Salvador to bury her own child because she had me here and she wasn't, she was going through, going through the process of becoming a citizen, but she wasn't yet. So she couldn't leave the United States wow. to go bury her daughter and then be able to come back in order for me to be in the country that I was born in so she didn't go I mean losing a child one is already she difficult t- yeah, yeah, yeah then not burying your child I mean I can't even imagine the guilt that she potentially feels then the trauma that my mother was my mother has a third grade education she was given away by my grandmother she was um, sexually abused she Jeez. was um, she, she was given the people she was raised by literally beat her she was had to work in the field. She didn't get an opportunity to get an education. Then she reconnected with her father when she was like 20 and then started to establish a relationship. And then he was murdered. Oh my goodness. So my mother comes into this place of now she has me. She's never dealt with anything. Like I'm very careful when, when I, when people who have experienced stuff, I never say they dealt with things. I've always say they experienced things because to me, experience and dealt are two very different things. Mm-hmm, hmm My mother experienced, she never dealt with the pain and the trauma that she has, you know, life gave her. Yeah. And so what happened, unfortunately, that sort of came into the relationship of the way she parented me. She was fear-based. She controlled me a lot. She was afraid to lose somebody else. She was- But isn't that a culture thing also? It is a culture hey. thing. It is, it is very much a culture thing. Um, but I also, as an adult, when I got into therapy, because it started, there was a lot of clashing And I started to realize that, oh, there were some elements of where my mother, you know, it was, it was tough, man. Listen, my mother, I didn't have the smoothest upbringing. At nine years old, we moved to Arkansas to Hope, Arkansas was one of the first Hispanic kids to show up on site. White kids, black kids, predominantly. I'm picked on. I'm jumped. I'm beat up just because I'm the lone wolf. I'm by myself just for no other reason, just because I was an easy target and At 16 years old, I told my mother, she found me in my room crying and she walked and she said, what's wrong? And I said to her, I was like, I don't know where I belong. I said, sometimes I think about getting into a car accident just so I can find out how many people would show up at the hospital.
0: Oh man.
1: 16 years old, I had this, right? I had no community. I had no identity. I had no self worth in a sense. None of that. I was fighting in school because I was mad and I was angry at the world. Were
0: you a just, tough kid, or how? Because I was a tough kid.
1: You know, tough in the sense of
0: Like, could you fight, or you or you just—oh yeah, I was. Were you I a was, lover, not a, you know? Fight? I mean, I'm
1: definitely like, let's hug it out. Yeah, but I'm, but I'm also like, I was very mad and angry at that time. Yeah, and I got when when I was pushed, I fought. Yeah, and I to the point where I fought. Because I felt like that was the only way that I can get you to respect me. Right. I'm in your territory. You're trying to sort of yeah. establish your territory, and I would fight. Then what would happen? I'd get suspended. I, you know, for three days, five days, seven days, I would get suspended for ten days, and then people never wondered. And this is, I mean, this is a whole other conversation about the education system and yeah, yeah. and educators, but and not all of them, of course. I don't want not yeah, all sure. of them. Yeah. But where when I would come back to school, I'd missed so much that i was just like oh then i don't care i don't know the curriculum so i just kind of presented this image of like well i don't care then right i was failing every class but did i get held back in ninth grade 10th grade 11th grade no
0: they just kept they just let along. you go man
1: that's move what they me, did with me, move too. me along just get them out yeah. of Yeah. instead of sitting
0: down what's wrong young man what's going on young man
1: What's happening? Yeah, there is oh. none
0: of that. Just keep going. There is none of that. Keep when moving. I was in high school, you know, I, I barely graduated, right? And this is a true story. During the pandemic when I was messed up, I was laying on my bed and my wife is looking through the graduation stuff and she goes, "Honey, I don't think you graduated." <laughs> and I and I got kind of hurt. <laughs> like, what do you mean I I, I graduated? I I know I, think, I did. I went to the thing, <laughs> it's not here. You're not in the thing. I'm like, uh, because they just let you go,
1: They man. did. And so literally, I lived in Arkansas from nine years old to 17. And then at 17, moved to Georgia for my right for my senior year of high school. My senior year of high school was amazing. Mine too. Amazing. Yeah. Because I moved to this community in Georgia called Dalton, D-A-L-T-O-N. I moved to this community, man, I saw myself. Even the people that weren't Hispanic like me, didn't have an immigrant parent, they were white, black, didn't matter. We just, it was a community. Yeah. They embraced me, they loved me. And it made a world of a difference. That was the first time in my schooling experience, my high school experience, when a counselor sat me down and said, you don't have enough credits to graduate from high school you're not gonna graduate in May. This was the fall, of my senior year. And I was like, what do you mean? Well, you know, what do I do then? And they were like, you need credits, you need classes. And so that was the first time someone sat down and said, hey, we gotta talk about this. And I went and I ended up getting a job, but I ended up going to night school ah. just so I can graduate from high school on time. And I, and I never told my mother the real reason why I had to go to night school, because I was embarrassed and I was ashamed and I felt that if I didn't graduate from high school, I was letting her down. Because here's a woman that only had a third grade education yeah, yeah, yeah. is sacrificed so much for me. And I'm sitting there blowing it away. And so I never told her why. But yet two, two days a week I'd go to night school in between my job and in between going to high school. And so for me, when you know, again, here we just spent 10 minutes, me talking about answering a very simple question of like where are you from? Oh, that's and, the best. And it goes I love to like where I have I have this it. very deep connection to Louisiana, like I'm a Louisiana sports fan, like I'm a Saints fan, I'm oh, are! Tigers fan, like I am deeply, it's deeply embedded in me because I have such rich yeah. memories of being in Louisiana, but Georgia, that's where my heart is because people, the people, the way the people embrace me, my mom still lives there. People just loved me and embraced me until this uh, day. Like I have these rich relationships where my high school football coach, my senior year high school football coach will still call me today. Dang. What's up, JR? How you doing, JR? I'm like, coach, what are you doing? He's on a treadmill, <laughs> you know, he's on a treadmill. He's in it, It's just I. Ha-
0: so you still have your friends and everybody. Yeah. You see, I'm the opposite. How's that? I don't go back. Mm. Do I miss it? Well, my two best friends, one was murdered and one died. Wow. So I don't don't have that. You don't have that connection. I'm a little jealous.
1: Yeah, the roots of this sort of this community where people are there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, but here's the fascinating thing about, I'm a very big advocate of, and I always try to encourage people to just hang in there. Yes. Just hang in there. And the reason I keep telling people that is because I have had a few instances in my life where in the moment when I was going through it, it didn't make sense. All of us have had that yes. experience. Yeah. But later in life, oh, it made so much sense. So let's, I'll fast forward only just to make this point. So here I am yearning for my father. At 16 years old, I tried to, I looked for him.
0: Did this you? Was the,
1: this was the day's, this was the days, no cell phone, no internet, no Google. I called information and I was like, hey, I knew he, his family, my grandmother and my uncle and all the, his side of the family lived in Houston. So I called Houston information. I said, can I get uh, a number for Jose Martinez? Because that's my name, Jose Rene Martinez. I'm a junior. The operator laughs. And I said, well, is there a problem? And she says, well, what's... One, which Jose Martinez? I live in Hope, Arkansas. There's probably 6,500 people in this small town. I'm thinking to myself, I'm the only one in this town. There can't be that many. I said, oh, I'll take all of them. I'll call every single Jose Martinez out there. And she laughs. She laughs again. And she's like, oh, there's only a, over 100,000 of them.
0: Oh, my goodness. I
1: was like, well, I guess I'm not calling 100,000 Jose Martinez's. I was doing my work. I, call, I told my mother one day, I said, I want to meet my father that didn't sit well with her. My mother's thinking why he doesn't deserve any, like I'm the one that's been raising you, are you trying to like leave me and go live with him? Like, you know, whatever. Finally, my mother agrees. She drives, we drive to Hope, Arkansas. My mother's memory is amazing. I mean, we drive to Houston, Texas from Hope, Arkansas. My mom pulls right up to my grandmother's house parks in the driveway and says, I mean, a memory, no Google map, nothing. I mean, just memory. I'm in the back seat. She says, okay, that's the house. Go knock on the door. No. I get out. I knock on the door. My grandmother opens the door. It's just me. I'm 16 years old. The last time she saw me, I was a baby. I was nine months old. I open the door and she says, and she knew exactly who I was. Dang. So odd, man. So here I am. I get into the house. We sit down. You know, we talk. We break bread. She, my little grandmother comes out and gives me some cash that she's been saving. You know, gives me like a hundred bucks or whatever here. And I was like, no, no. no, She like here, 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 right. I leave, but I was like, where's my father? My father got picked up the day before by Houston PD. Wow. She didn't tell me why. Just got picked up. Didn't meet my father. Strike out. We're 2022. 2019, I met my father. Nah. I was 36 years old. Guess where my father is? In Mexico.
0: Oh, really? My father,
1: because he was clowning around in the US, got sent back to Mexico, got penalized, can't come back to the States. I find him in Mexico. I go down to meet him in Mexico. My father's homeless. No. My father literally lives, sleeps on the porch, like a cement porch of this lady's house. that's not even like a nice house. she's struggling herself. Maurice, I roll up, I'm talking to this man. Of course, the, the anticipating question is, Oh
0: how did how, when you first, when you first walked up, and there he was?:
1: I man, I was shaking, shaking. I'm shaking because in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't know, like, this, there's the man that my whole life I've been, I've been looking for. I've been searching for this man. I felt this void in in my heart and, and I wanted it filled by this man. And there he is. And I walk up to him. Yeah. And it's as if he's, fucking raised me my entire life no he's he's like mijo hey mijo he's telling everyone that lives around the community this is my son this is my son like and i'm just like to hear a man call me mijo yeah 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 talk about the psychology of that yeah the endearment term like whoa whoa whoa, we're not we're not there yet wait a minute you can't just call me mijo we start talking and I immediately identify, oh, I know what I get from this man. Off the jump, I know what I get from this man. His charisma, his ability to walk into any room and sort of be the life. That's how I am. Like, right. I'm kind of that guy. Right. Like, right. I can walk into any room and be like, what's up? What's yeah. going on? How's yeah. everyone doing? Right. I get that from him. We sit down. We start having conversations. I finally work up the nerve to ask him the question, where did you go? What do he say? I just forgot about you. I just forgot about you. You know what I realized? But that's now? not the answer you want. That's not the answer I want. But it was the answer that honestly I needed. Because. Because it was the truth. Because, because my entire life I had sort of this image and belief that my father, we could be playing football together. We could be hanging uh, out I together. We could be doing things it. together. I get it. And at 36, I realized when my daughter, right? My daughter at that time was seven years old. And I realized that it was the best thing that he actually left. That it was the best thing that happened to me that he was not in my life. Because if he would have stayed in my life, he would have been the influence. I would be following his footsteps right now. So because I learned at I wasn't the only one that he abandoned. Yeah. He abandoned other kids as well. Right. And so for me, I just kind of was like, oh.
0: But do you think... That maybe if he stayed, you would have changed that. No. 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 I I don't
1: think children are beautiful.
0: Yeah, but they can't. But
1: children can't. No. It's not their responsibility, nor do they have the ability completely all the time. You have to be willing, as you know. Yes. You have to be in that position. You know, you just have to be willing to do
0: that. So you spend how much time with him that day? Three, four hours, maybe. Three or four hours? Three, four hours. And what's going through your your thoughts as you're? I just through. want to know about his life.
1: I'm just curious. I want to know about why he left me. Why he left other kids. I want to know how he ended up where he is.
0: He's answering everything. Honest, He's answering everything. He's wow. being honest. That's that's. And when you when you're done with that, how are you feeling?
1: I feel I feel at peace. Mm. That I finally, I, I felt like I kind of accomplished yeah. something. I checked the box. But I also feel compassion. Like, I, I, I don't want to use the word, like, I feel sorry for him, but I had compassion. I because I, I understand he was never capable of being what I needed or what any other of those, his children that he had needed. Because he was a broken man. Yeah. Way before he had us, he just never dealt with it. Yeah. And so he essentially used women as a way to cope. He used alcohol as right, a way to cope. Right. He used all these substances as a way to just cope. He was never capable of being what I needed him to be.
0: So when you left, that was it?
1: No. I, I, you were good. You I'm were good. good. Peace. Accept this. I don't I don't need to revisit it. I don't need to I don't I, have this gaping void in my heart and in my mind of who he is what he is i know what he is i know who he is i know where he is i'm good what? i know that there was a reason in my opinion god said we're going to remove this peace. yeah we're going to remove this peace from your life you're already going to have a lot to deal with you don't need this in your life and i'm at peace and so for me like man <sighs> You know, it's funny because when people ask me as a speaker, right, I get the opportunity to speak and, 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 sh- and, and a lot of different audiences all over the world and I'm, I'm very blessed and grateful that I get that opportunity.
0: You, de- you deserve it. Well, great, thank you. Great speaker.
1: But everyone usually brings me in because they want me to start at 19 years old. <laughs> Tell me at 19 years old, that's when your life began. And I'm like, yo, nah, nah. there was a whole 19 years of life nah. that transpired yeah. that prepared me and shaped me to survive what I eventually yes, was faced with. Yes, I didn't just ro- roll out of no. my mother's you know, body and all of a sudden it was like, okay, I'm ready to take on an explosion yeah. and I'm gonna survive that and then I'm gonna go off and do some crazy things. But here's the power of the mind, as you know, the state of mind. Here's the power of the mind. Whatever you feed it, man, you That's know right. this. Whatever you feed it. That's right. Whatever you feed it.
0: Yeah.
1: 16, I told you, I, I said, I just wanna get into a car accident and see how many people right. show up to care. I'm going to jump a little bit and 19 years old. Well, let's get to 19. That's... 19. I'm in the army. Yeah. in Iraq. I'm in a car. Oh, I get into that's... an accident. I find out how many people care about me. What are you going to tell yourself? Whatever you wish, man. Yes. Whatever you want to manifest, negative or positive, that's on you. I'm spotty right now, but here I am. A month and a half into my recovery in the hospital, my mother and I, we used to watch novelas. Novelas, Spanish soap operas, <laughs> man. That was our thing. Right. I remember the day she would have me, like, no. I had a job at 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. I had to hit record on her favorite novella with the VHS tape inside. We used to watch novelas at the end of my, the day of my recovery. We would sit there and just watch novelas in my hospital room. I said to her, Maurice, I said to her, one day i'm gonna be on a soap opera she said oh really what's the storyline gonna be i said i don't know i'm just gonna have a beautiful love interest wow. five years later you got it all oh, my children
0: baby okay state of mind that's amazing <laughs> i had the similar thing that i just talked about but i'll talk about it again my dad blesses his, his soul he he believed in me, but not like my mom believed in me. My mom, we knew what was gonna happen in my life, mm-hmm. okay? And I, I went to my dad once, I said, Dad, look, I did a play, I got good reviews. And he kind of looked down and looked up like it was nothing. I said, Dad, why can't you be, ha- don't you know? And there was a soap opera on the TV. And I said, Dad, if I were on a soap, stupid ass soap opera, then you would believe in me and be happy for me. And a year later, I was on all my children. But that broke the ice for my father because I saw him teary-eyed. Like, you know, like I was, you know, I got to like, he acknowledged. And we were cool after that. But it's a similar... uh... So you at 19, tell me about basic training. I love that stuff. Yo,
1: man, let me tell you about basic training. I was very naive. Army, right? Yeah, army. Yeah. I was very naive, man. I, I went to basic training. And I just thought this was gonna be like a football <laughs> football camp. <laughs> 11 Bravo infantry, you know, at that time it was male, you know, industry profession. And I just like, bunch of guys, just going to be rolling around in the mud and dirt, shooting guns, you know, doing all that stuff. I was very naive, man. I got there. My recruiter told me, he said, the one piece, the two pieces of advice that I'll tell you, go into basic training. Never volunteer for anything.
0: Mm.
1: And you and two, you don't want them to know your name. Really? And I was like, really? That's a complete opposite of what I've been taught my whole life. My mother told me about the importance of, like, sharing and, yeah. and doing for others. And then, you know, you want people to know who you are. You want people, right? So I was like, okay. He explained. And the reason why is because volunteering. The minute you volunteer, you're always going to be chosen. You're always going to be the person that's going to be like, oh, Martinez will do it. Martinez, you go do that. Right, Martinez, you right. go do that. You never want them to know your name because then that means you're in trouble. You've done something. You shouldn't stand out amongst 50 50- people you know young men that are there trying to become soldiers man my first day that i was there my my drill sergeant comes up to me and says what's your name i was like oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i've been here like a few hours and he's already asking <laughs> me my name man and, and i told him and you know it became a thing where they messed with me you know and nothing harm they're trying to find out where your mental state is are you capable of essentially yeah. enduring all of this but it was a blast, man. Listen, you develop so many incredible relationships. There's a couple of guys that I was in basic training with that I'm still cool with today. I still talk to pretty frequently. Um, but I remember having a drill sergeant. We had three and there was one drill sergeant always stoic. The guy had like a different look in his eye. He'd come and he'd sit in the barracks and he he wasn't playing around. And, and he would tell you. I remember one day he sat down in the middle of the barracks and he talked about, you know, he was a ranger, he had been through all these schools, he had deployed and he talked about, you think this is a game? Do you know what state we're in right now in our country? We're in Afghanistan. We're at war. You guys are going to go to war. You guys better like lock in. You're going to war. And you're listening to this guy you're like, oh my God, this guy. Right. You're not even really processing what he's saying. You're just more enamored at who this guy (laughs) is, this character. You're like, who, tell me more. He's like, like, campfire, like, tell me a story. Full metal jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, here's this guy. Tell me what you've done, right? Like, that's, at least that's what I did. Yeah. And then, you know, basically, listen, man, I was a cutout. Yeah. I could tell you stories about, you know, they finally give you some free time on Sunday where you can kind of roam around the barracks and you have a little freedom once you kind of right. got past that initial period, initiation period, and me and... Three, two other guys, we'd pretend we're gonna go, we'd go use the phones. We're not supposed to. We'd go around to other barracks and we'd go use the phones secretly in the dark. We're not supposed to have the phones yet. And we're like call, hey, mama, I'm good. Hey, how you doing? Whatever. We would sneak off. we go, we're gonna run laps around the barracks, get conditioning. We'd sneak off and go to the, the store and buy candy. And I would literally go into a, the, the restroom, the latrine. You know, it had that like that ceiling yeah. where you could push up the tile and I would store my candy up there. So literally in the middle of the night, I'd get up, I'd go there, grab some candy. Wow. Eat some can- I mean, dude, I was just being like a honestly a boy. I was a boy. And I was just being a boy and just didn't really understand the severity of what was happening in
0: the world. But man, you had to grow up real fast. Yeah, life said, Oh, hold on. So <laughs> you you were in a Humvee, right, am I right? hmm And the landmine. Mm-hmm. And then it went, you know, I saw something on 60 Minutes. This is kind of the same thing where these these uh, people are getting killed in in training. Yeah, because they tip over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that that's so
1: essentially what happened for me. So six months after I joined the military. I'm in Iraq.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: In six of those months, three of three, I'm sorry, three of those six months, I'm in basic.
0: Oh, my
1: goodness. Fast track. Damn. Four days shy of me being in Iraq an entire month, the Humvee that I'm driving runs over a roadside bomb. Explodes. I'm trapped inside, and it catches on fire. Oh. I'm completely conscious for the five minutes that I'm trapped inside of this Humvee, man. Screaming and yelling, you know, pleading, begging for someone to pull me out. Man. Talk about how things don't make sense in the moment. But if yes, you're patient yes, enough, yes. I got my eyes closed, man. My sister that passed away, uh, no, I, I'm
0: going to start crying, man.
1: I never met her. I went to El Salvador. The second time I went to El Salvador at the age of nine years old, my mother took me to her gravesite. I'm standing there and I'm bawling. I have no idea why I'm bawling. Why am I so emotional? It never made sense to me because I didn't know her. I didn't meet her. We never played. We never talked. I don't know. Fast forward 10 years later in that Humvee in the midst of me screaming and yelling my sister appears to me and speaks to me and tells me I'm going to be okay. Wow. And immediately after I was pulled out of the Humvee every since that day man And listen, I was in that Humvee. You see my hands up in close. I mean, this is skin graft.
0: Yeah, it looks like. That
1: that means the skin, my normal skin, was burned off.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: Like, I saw my hands changing. I could see it. I was gasping for air. I had broken ribs. I had a lacerated liver. I was inhaling the smoke from the fire. That was the biggest thing that was threatening whether I was going to be able to survive or not because of the insides being all jacked up. My sister tells me I'm going to be okay, and immediately I'm pulled out. I get put into a coma. They send me to Germany. I go into surgery. Then they send me to San Antonio, which is where the burn center is for the military. Three weeks later, I come out of my coma. I tell my mom. I was like, Mom, I saw Anabel. Anabel Anabel told me I was going to be okay." I mean, she started crying. And we both said, she's your guardian angel.
0: Of course.
1: She's she's with you. Of course. She's still with you today. She's looking after us. Dude. I mean, talk about how things in the moment don't make sense. But if you just hang on long enough, if you just stay patient long enough, if you believe, if you open your eyes, if you look around, if you see, the answer eventually comes to you. I'm 19 years old, man. Listen, let me tell you something. When I was in Iraq, I immediately wanted to, I, I joined, I was going to do, do three years. While I was in Iraq, I was like, no, I want to do 20. I want to come back and I want to be this kind of soldier in this school, yeah. I want to go to that school, I want to be a badass at 20 years You know, in in the military. I started planning, boom, I'm injured. I come out of my coma, the first question out of my mouth to my doctor is, when can I go back? I got to finish my deployment with my guys. He tells me, you're not going to be allowed to stay in the army. You're going to be medically discharged. Right off the bat, he took my identity away from me. The identity that I was starting to create for myself, being in the military, man, of being of service, of being a part of uh, a team, something bigger than myself, that was my identity I was starting to create for myself. And he just ripped it away from me because of the type of injuries that I had. I couldn't be in the army anymore. And then a few days later, I saw my face for the first time. I saw my arms. I saw how bad I was injured. And literally, my second identity was essentially taken away from me. The identity, my appearance, what I knew for 19 years, all of a sudden, I looked in the mirror. I had no idea yeah, who that person was. Yeah,
0: JR, I need you to take me somewhere right here real quick. Because I got a story, and not like yours, but it's, it's mentally similar. When I was in the mental institution. I went into the bathroom, and there was a mirror. And it was was, the first time that I had really looked at my face during mentally being completely out of it, right? And I saw that I looked great, but my thoughts were horrible. But I, I, it was an interesting dynamic that I looked perfect, but, I, but my mind was not. Uh-huh. My mind was in chaos. And it was just a, uh, so for you. I was, I was the reverse.
1: Yes. I saw myself. And you said, when you saw yourself, you look great. I saw myself and I was like, I don't look great. Right, right. But my mind, my mind, I feel like I'm fine in my mind i felt oh, like oh in your mind did. you
0: felt so you had no uh...
1: so 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 the first few days of me coming out of my coma i'm bandaged up right i can't right. do anything for myself i can't walk i can't feed myself i can't bathe myself i can't button a button i can't do any i couldn't even pick up a remote and change the channel i lost so much strength and fluid that i had no ability to do any of those things i'm bandaged up and i'm literally in a hospital bed like this the entire time oh
0: my god all day
1: and every time that they did the dressing changes, I couldn't really see, because I couldn't really move my neck as much because I didn't have a lot of... And how much motion. pain, how much pain? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling discomfort, not... A, uh. The pain I would feel is when they took me to the shower.
0: Oh, fuck. Yeah.
1: Like, I want to spare the viewers some, some of this visual, visualization. I'll yeah. allow their imagination to take them there, but essentially, because this is, for example, in my hand, this is a skin graft, what that means is I didn't have, it, this, I didn't have anything there. The skin, the layer, the, the top bone? layer, was a lot of the nerves were essentially exposed. So the top layer of skin that protects us was not there. It oh burned off. God. But unfortunately, what they have to do when they take you to the shower, they still have to essentially clean that area. Yeah. So you're, you're hitting nerves, you're hitting all that sensitivity That's painful. That's excruciating. You can take the toughest SOB you know and put them in that environment and they will cry. I don't care. Any burn survivor will tell you that is the most difficult part of the whole process is that shower. And so that I'm sitting here and they're doing dressing changes. I never look. I can't see the severity of what's wrong with me. But every day when I would go to the shower, I would cry and I would plead with my nurse, why are you doing this to me? I would ask, I would literally say, what have I done to you? And my nurse, Mike, man, he was like the coolest dude and just a big heart and then pathetic. And he would say, I'm sorry, buddy. He would put his hand on my shoulder. and He would say, I have to do this. And I remember after going through this for about four days, I came back into my room. They wouldn't even, because of your skin's so sensitive and I didn't have a lot of it on my body, they didn't even pat you dry. They would wheel me back into my intensive care room and let me sit there for like ten minutes, because it's so, they have to keep it so hot to, to match your body temperature. Yeah. So I just sit there for ten minutes to just air dry it. I just they'd have the radio playing. I'd be like just. So I never necess- I never saw my body. And after the fourth day, I finally looked at Mike and I said, "Man, I got to see my face. Why does oh, it hurt so much fuck. when you touch my face? Why does it hurt so much when you touch my body?" And he literally he picked me up. Yeah. He sat me in a chair similar to this. Mm -hmm. He sits me in a chair. He pulls up the little tray. You know, in the hospital, they have those trays. Yeah, yeah. You can slide it out, and there's a mirror in there. He he pops up that mirror. My head's down. And he says to me, all right, buddy, the mirror's in front of you. You can look whenever you want, but I want you to know two things before you look. One, what you're going to see is not the same thing you were accustomed to seeing for 19 years of your life. But two, and most importantly, you have to know it's going to get better. You know there's a difference between listening and hearing yeah i just heard what he said i wasn't really because in my mind i'm trying to prepare myself yeah and it was literally like a scene from a yeah from, yeah from a soap yeah, and yeah it's like you know one of those writers wrote this yeah. scene and it was dra- dramatic and it was like you know like think about it like in the soap world you know this better than me it's like you know the character all of a sudden slow pans up.
0: yeah yeah
1: makes eye contact with the mirror And all of a sudden, literally picks up your right arm and they pushes the mirror away. And what does the script say? Slam the black. (laughs) (laughs) Slam the black. And then you go to commercial. And then you got some damn toothpaste commercial coming on. You're
0: like, oh, shit, that was good. What happened? You have a real life thing.
1: But real life, there's no slam the back black. Because what I did is I looked in the mirror. I turned my head as much as I could to each side to see how bad it was. I saw that I was missing an ear. I saw that my face was you know like pretty yeah, much droopy yeah. this this right yeah, here yeah. so you see like the the, the difference yeah. how there's scar 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 in here there's not yeah well this was plastic surgery later but i had deep tissue scarring all the way down my neck so i saw oh, a lot my, my head was not you know healed it yeah. had the grafts. i mean i was raw man and i just picked my right arm up man i pushed the mirror away and i just became depressed and angry major depression major depression for how long you know realistically i was probably (laughs) you know i i for me it was probably about three weeks i was just every day i was just i would tell everybody just they should have just left me in the humvee to die they should have just left me in the humvee to die they should have just left me in the humvee to die
0: how'd you get through that that
1: for those three weeks all i did man was think about, I'm 19, I'm never going to have a girlfriend, I'm never going to have a wife, I'm never going to have kids, what am I going to do for a profession, no one's ever going to hire me, people are going to avoid me. I just thought, oh, you know. And yeah, that's, yeah, of course. And that's the problem. The like, thoughts. Yeah, the, the, but that's the problem is like, think about it, what we do with children. Yeah. Children don't even know Mm-mm. what they're doing tonight. Yeah. And what do we do as adults? What do you want to be when you grow up? Why are we putting the pressure on them all right?
0: Exactly. But we have exactly. that pressure. We
1: put that on ourselves. Yes. What are you going to do from that? From, because we got to have it all figured out. Yes. And I was putting those thoughts and I was overwhelming myself. And instead at three weeks, one day in a, an intense conversation with my mother, we came, like I came to sort of this understanding that I I got to, I can't worry about long term. I got to focus on what I do have. Yes. I can't think about what may or may not happen i got to think about what i do have and what is happening and what is happening is i'm alive i can see i still have my fingers my hands they're telling me eventually one day i'll have range of motion and i can do things i can still learn how to walk I'll focus on that mm-hmm. every morning when i woke up it was literally this practice of gratefulness and meditation almost like a form of it every morning when i woke up I try to believe that something good was going to come from all of this. I try to have faith and I try to just be a little positive. I try to be JR, the joking guy. No matter how good or bad the day was before I went to bed, I just focused on those three things. And because I just eliminated myself from this worry of long-term and I just focused on today, I was able to be present and appreciative and grateful for this moment that I had
0: changed my entire life, man. It
1: was one of the things that changed my entire life.
0: You know, JR, I think that you should pro- I-, I think I'm gonna quit state of mind and have you be the you are the <laughs> new state of mind guy who's gonna interview people. No listen just- I'm I'm enamored, bro. No, no, I'm, I- listen. I'm just
1: watching Why you, can't like- I just sit next to you in a- in that chair? We'll sit I'll sit next to you, right? <laughs> and I'll just be like your little hype man. You know how like um I'll be, you know how you know, like I'll be your Robin to Howard Stern. Right? I'll just, I'll just sit there, man. I'll just every That's now and then I'll just say things, That's you know, and, and then people are like, where'd that come from? You know, and they are hanging out. It's that right. is funny.
0: No, but you know, hey, look, I, I think you've probably been told this already a thousand times, and but I'm going to tell you a thousand one time. Uh I'm, I'm, I can barely speak hearing you talk. Okay because it's it's such an inspiration that what you've been through and you and you and you just your freaking attitude is so great. And I think that's why because when you when when I when I just met you I, you I don't look at anything. Your your personality is bigger than life, man. You know what I mean? I think that's what makes it it's just amazing to me listening, and and this has been the one interview that I've... <laughs> I haven't said a lot. I don't need to say a lot because it's just I'm I'm just like mesmerized. All right, let's go from there, because <laughs> because I'm I'm so emotional. It's not even funny. All right, we're gonna go. I, the way I want to kind of go through the end of this is I just want to say that. It's amazing. Your story's amazing. Your life's amazing. You're amazing, and then the fact that you always had hope, and look what what you've done to turn that hope into. You did a soap opera, man. You did a soap opera. I know. A lot of actors can't get it. You know what I mean? Let you know it's, it's amazing. Then forget the soap. You win. <laughs> dancing with freaking stars how the hell did you do that listen man you know people always
1: ask me the question like you know you went on all my children how did you manage to do that you know it's one of the most difficult spaces. it is difficult yes For to become an actor and yes. yet the soap actors still don't get the respect one, that they yes. deserve right the amount of dialogue that you're having. One to, take. I mean, two takes. Yeah. yeah, and and then and then how you can get a script a week in advance and learn all the dialogue in an hour before they cut all this dialogue and merge
0: all. And this let's other not stuff. forget, Jr. Because I'm gonna say it right here, you didn't pursue acting. I did not. No. You did the soap without yeah. any training. Without what? any
1: training. My training, I was like on-the-job training. Like my orientation was literally. Like in a in a scene with Ricky Paul Golden, with Beth Ellers, like with uh with, um, I don't, I don't with know. Michael Knight. Like, I mean, that was my that was my school of acting was being in the presence. But this is what I did, Marius Wow. you're a veteran. Yeah. When you had a scene, even though I wasn't in the scene with you, I would still stay on set and I would watch you. Really? So, like, if this was the setting that okay. you were in, your, doing your scene, I would be in the dark set right behind you, watching you. Because when they hired me, they said it was going to be three months. And I was like, three months? That's cool. I can say I was on the soap opera for three right. months. That's cool. I'll just, you know, it'd be fun. But I was, my attitude is like, hey, I'm going to make it the best damn three months I possibly can. And so I'd sit back in the in back and just watch Michael Knight. Michael, yeah. I'd watch Susan Lucci. yeah. I'd watch Cameron Matheson and yeah. Alicia Minshew. I watch all these people that have their whole life trained for this moment, and I would like. Oh, I see what Maurice did in that scene. That wasn't just his eyes, or or just sort of that. Like, the, oh, that. Oh, I see what he. I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna see if I can do that. <laughs> My next scene, I'd like work it in there. So, very raw and green, but I, people started to see. How like, long did you do? So, so it turned into six months. Turned into nine. Turned into a year. Turn into three years of me being on all my children. I was on all my children the last year was in New York, and then the final two it was in LA. I don't understand. And then, that's amazing to me. But you know, but it's not to me, I don't find it to be that out of n- nature. And this is, ex- let me explain. And I know some actors are going to be like, that's not the same thing. But let me explain. Okay. Bear with me. All right. Prior to All My Children, right. I was doing a lot of nonprofit work, on uh, advocacy on behalf of veterans and families. Okay. I was a spokesman. Okay. I would do a lot of the interviews. Right before I would go on and talk to Maurice, you know what, I'd have the executive director, I'd have the PR person, I'd have everybody in my ear, make sure you mention this, make sure you you. mention that, make sure you mention the partnership, make sure you plug the website, make sure blah, 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 blah. But that's
0: not it, that's...
1: But what it did is it sort of exercised that side side of my brain so that when I got all this dialogue, and then I had to learn this, then I had to learn, because I was like, OK, I can memorize this stuff. I got the dialogue. OK. But then I show up on set and I'm, I'm waiting for Maurice to be like, and blah, 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 blah. And that's my cue. But then all of a sudden you want to add live because you <laughs> can do that. Right. And then on my mind, I'm, I'm panicking. Like, wait, yeah. was that the end? Was that yeah, the end? Because that's I don't see it on paper. Yeah. And then I just learned it's not this. For me, it was yeah. not about the words. It was about the emotion. It was I about get you. what you're yeah, trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I just sort of like, just OK, just kind of. And what made it easy was that we were essentially telling a story that was almost an extension of my life. The character was a veteran coming home struggling.
0: That's true. I knew that. That helps. I knew that. But JR, please, please, I need to ask you this question. Because to me, OK, acting, you maybe you did your little interviews and things. <laughs> like, now you can act and stuff. OK, but don't tell me because I'll end this right now. <laughs> Don't tell me that you've never danced before dancing with stars. Please don't tell me that. No, I had. Okay. Not good.
1: professionally.
0: No, not professionally, but that's cool.
1: So here's where my dancing came into yeah, play. Yeah,
0: well, I need to hear this.
1: When you're raised by a single woman, you have no choice but to be her dance partner. Okay. That's where my training that's came nice. from.
0: That's nice. Yeah, that's cool. So when
1: I went on, but again, man, if you look at my But life, it was live. Man. It was live, man. It didn't phase me one bit. You know No! Why? It didn't you know why? See, we're different. You know why? I don't, I've learned, oh, and tell me, I, I tell learned me. in my life, I am not going to give power to things that I cannot control. I know,
0: brother, but come on. I,
1: for me, going on that stage, it wasn't about, in that moment, the 90 seconds that you dance live on television. It's not about the people. Oh. It's about the story that me and my partner, Karina Smirnoff, the story we're telling.
0: Oh, she's great. She's oh, the she's best. She's
1: amazing, dude. She's amazing. Tough, but she's amazing. That's all I cared about. When 90 seconds ended, when the dance routine was over, then I can allow myself to sort of look around and appreciate and take oh, in everything.
0: Man. I just,
1: I live my life, Maurice. I live my life. Don't get me wrong. I have goals.
0: Yeah, I get I have you.
1: long-term goals, but I live my life in this, this was moment. one
0: of your goals. To this I live...
1: I, and I'm in this moment with you. That's good. Yeah, For yeah. me, it's all about. I'm just gonna be in this moment.
0: I know that's that's, that's I cool. Can I can deal. I know about the moment. I'm into <laughs> the moment. I love being in the moment. I love the movie in my head. It's a good movie, not a scary movie, not Freddy Krueger. Hey, hey, your anxiety's coming. Anxiety's here. Oh, fuck you, Freddy. Get the fuck out of here. But Dancing with Stars, because I've been on that set. But it's the the tension in there. But you don't feel that because you got this. Freaking mentality that I've never seen in my life, bro. It's amazing.
1: I, I've just, I've, I've, I have, even till this point, even from dancing to today, I've just done a lot of work.
0: You know, I end these things with whatever comes to my mind and I don't have a clue. <laughs> I just want, I, all I've been saying in my head is that he's, Uh, like, he has superpowers. He's like Superman. And that's what comes to my head. I'm sorry, and it may sound stupid, but you, have by this point, you've seen the interview, you've seen how open he is, you've seen how he's so in the moment, at peace, and just has a grasp of life that I don't think I've ever seen as well as... J.R. Martinez has it. I thought I was kind of cool, but. (laughs) All right, brother. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Please be sure to download, subscribe, and leave a review.